Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us today, I'm so glad to have you in service. If you're joining us online, we welcome you today as a part of this service wherever you are. If it is your first or second time with us, we invite you to stop by our uh, welcome area, hospitality area in the back. We'd like to give you a token of a appreciation for being with us today. And it's also really great to have with us this morning Sister Nina, formerly some of you would know as Gannett, I believe now is Smoot, okay. Uh, great to have her and her husband with her. Now I'm I want to preface this next remark that I'm a lot younger than I look, okay? I'm a lot younger than I look. So I want to say that to not, you know, but she was one of my first Sunday school teachers a couple of years ago. So it's really awesome to see her today. Her husband and uh, sister Nina is Sister Pat Grossbach's sister. And if I'm not mistaken, was in church before Sister Grossbach, correct? Yes. So... Very awesome to have her here today and uh, look forward to meeting her husband after service here. Amen. Praise God. First Kings chapter number three, starting with verse five. First Kings three and verse number five. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God said, ask what I shall give thee. Can you imagine that? God showing up and giving you kind of a blank check. And Solomon said, thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child, I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this thy so great a people. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked, of, had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and has not asked for thyself long life, neither has asked riches for thyself, nor has asked the life of thine enemies, but has judged for thyself, under, has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any 
among the kings like unto thee all thy days. I preached to you last week. My title was A Lesson from the Preacher. My title today is Another Lesson from the Preacher. Father, thank you for your presence in this place today. Thank you for what you have already done here this morning. I know, God, that you have already touched hearts and lives today. We may not have the understanding or may have been able to see and perceive with our natural eyes what you have done. But in my spirit, I am confident you have already done very significant things. And now I pray, God, that you would continue that and that you would minister through your word. Speak to our hearts today, God. Father, again today, I do not wish to just preach a sermon to take up time in this service, but I want to be a vessel, a conduit through which you can speak. I trust you for your anointing today, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In case you weren't here or maybe you're not familiar, over very familiar, just to make sure there's a bit of an understanding the book of Ecclesiastes starts with the words of the preacher written by Solomon. And so today, again, I guess for the last couple of weeks now, for some reason, I've had Solomon on my mind and been very intrigued by him. Unfortunately, I think Solomon is one of those examples that it's not necessarily how you start that it's about how you finish. I, I've used this many times in the past, but I will use it again today. In, in the month of March, there's what's called March Madness in college bas- basketball, and it's a tournament of basketball teams from all across the nation that play to be crowned the national champion for NCAA basketball. And teams are set up according to rankings and One starts off with the number one seed playing the number 16 seed. And usually, usually at some point during that game, the number 16 seed team is winning against the number one team. But as to this point, there has never been a number 16 team that has defeated a number one team. And so you get no great accolades, you don't get any rewards because you almost won. And neither do you lose any credit if you're the number one seed if you almost lost as long as you win. So it's not about how great you start, it's really about how you finish. The Bible tells us that a Righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. One of the most well-known, I think, one of the most well-known verses in the Bible is the verse where the Scripture says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I think what most people don't realize is the first word of that verse is not they. That actually the first word of that verse is but. 
but they that wait. Why does it start with that word? Because the previous couple of verses say something along this line. Even the young men shall faint and they'll utterly fall. They're, they're going to mess up. They're going to make some mistakes. But in spite of that, even though that happened, if you will wait on the Lord, you will renew your strength. The, Prophet Malachi says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, not if I fall, but when I fall. It is inevitable that you and I will fall. But though I fall, I'm going to get back up. It's not really how many times you fall that matters. What matters is how many times do you get up. As long as I get back up the same number of times I can fall. You know what? I could reach the back of this auditorium falling. As long as I fall forward. So as long if you're going to fall, just fall forward. Because you can fall forward and still make progress. Unfortunately, Solomon was an example of the other because the verses I have read to you, Solomon started well. I'm not sure if I would have had the same ability Solomon had if God showed up to me and said, what do you want? I'm a little bit afraid I may have made the mistake that Solomon didn't make and said, well, you know, if you really want to know, I wouldn't. I, I, I saw a post on Instagram yesterday, and it's not anybody I follow. It's just in that feed you can see of whatever. And, and, and this lady had a picture of this. It looked like it was in the showroom, this brand-new white BMW, big red bow on there, and, and she was claiming it based on the Word of God. In fact, what she used was, if, if my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills and he can afford this BMW, yeah, he probably could, but you know, that, that's really not the most important things in life. And somehow, from the beginning, Solomon understood because when God says, what do you want? Solomon says, I, I need understanding. I need direction. I don't know how to do what I've been tasked to do. I don't have the ability to accomplish what it is that is set before me to do. And so he says, I need understanding. And God says, you have asked well. I'm going to give you understanding. I'm going to give you wisdom. But because you did not ask for the other things you could have asked for, I'm going to give you those as well. It kind of sounds like what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things will be added. Solomon says, I need you, I need wisdom, and God says, okay, then I'm going to give you that, but I'm going to also add, you know, I I don't really want to ride in a car in the middle of summer that doesn't have air conditioning. I now enjoy in the wintertime when it's really cold being able to turn the seat heater on for the leather seats. I like a lot of the luxuries 
the bells and whistles. I, I like the gadgets. If you know anything about my dad, you know I got it naturally. <laughs> I like the gadgets. But I got to tell you, don't give me a car that's got an air conditioning and got a great climate system, got heated seats or cooled seats, it's got a great radio and great speakers, but doesn't have an engine. I don't want to just sit in my driveway in the AC. I want to go someplace. So when push comes to shove, there are some things that are more important than the bells and the whistles. So Solomon says, I want the essentials. And God says, you've asked for the essentials. I'm going to give you the extras. Easton's Bible Dictionary says of Solomon that his reign was... Not only a period of great material prosperity, but was equally marked for its intellectual activity. He was the leader of his people also in this uprising amongst them of new intellectuals. And so there was apparently somewhat of a trickle-down effect, if you will, from Solomon and what God gave him. But Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary says this, Unfortunately, Solomon was not strong enough to withstand the temptations that go along with a long life of luxury. His contribution to the nation of Israel is figured largely in material terms. He made Jerusalem one of the most beautiful cities of the ancient world, and he always... And he will always be remembered as a great builder. The tragedy is that after the building of the temple, Solomon did very little to promote the religious life of his people. Did a lot of great things naturally, but have little or no significant value eternally. I read some of these last week, but if you'll permit me to read some again this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse number 1. Now remember the verses we just read in God appearing to Solomon, and Solomon says, I, I want wisdom. I need understanding. I need the ability to lead your people. I need the ability to judge right. I, I need to know how to do the job you've called me to do. And that's how he started. But somewhere something changed. Because in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with myrrh. Therefore, enjoy pleasure and behold... This also is vanity. The message Bible says, I said to myself, let's go for it. Experiment with pleasure. Have a good time. But there was nothing to it. Nothing but smoke. Verse 2, I said of laughter, it is mad, and of myrrh, what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wise Unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water to water therewith 
the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that all and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. I don't know when. I don't know why. I'm not sure how. But for some reason, Solomon's focus went from what he knew he needed in the beginning to now on the things that God said, I will add to you. But the problem was he changed his focus and it was about the things. And as he says several different places, it's just never enough. Some do, but most Most people, especially in this country, most people don't wear their shoes until they wear out. Most don't wear their clothes until they wear out. A lot have a tendency to wear shoes until they see another pair that they like better. I, I, I was the first born... There are privileges, and then there are some bummers with that. I, I could not, I could not for a couple of years and playing basketball in, in the church school here, my first couple of years, I could not for the life of me to get my parents to buy me a pair of Nikes. My dad's reasoning was, son, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna outgrow them so fast, it's a waste of money. So I, I, I got taken to, to Tom McCann and Kenny's. Some of y'all don't know nothing about that. I, I got, I remember one year I got me a pair from Kenny's that had four stripes. I don't know if that was supposed to be an improvement from Adidas because Adidas only had three. I finally got my first pair, the first pair of Nikes I got for basketball. I actually had two friends of mine that were brothers, and they went on on them together. Son, you're just going to grow. And You see my foot? Probably since about eighth grade. It's been that size. My brother, on the other hand, Six foot five. I think about eight years old, he was as tall as me. Not really, but almost. You want to talk about growing. You want to talk about wasting money on shoes because you outgrow them. That was him. I don't think he knows what Kenny's was. I don't think he knows where Tom McCann was. Some of you newer folks, what now is 
I forget how to pronounce the name of it. It's a sandwich shop in the front part from Home Depot. Used to be, I think, Tom McCann. Long time ago. He, he, he got, my brother got the Nikes. I'm not bitter. I'm just stating the facts. Just, I mean, it's just the facts. Somebody, somebody somewhere realized if we just design a new pair, if we just tweak the design some, all of a sudden there's a bunch of people that aren't happy with what they have. The bottom line is my tennis shoes from Kenny's probably were just as good a quality as the Nike's. There just wasn't the same status. I should have tried to at least cut one of the, uh, you know, unstitch one of the stripes. And how come I didn't think about that then? I, li- I like, I like, uh, I think what some folks don't know is I, I think I probably like sweets as much as my dad. The difference between the two of us is he talks about it much more than I do. I, I, I love sweet. I saw, it was sent to me for a different reason, but I saw this video yesterday. Oh, Lord, I'm going to ruin my message right now. I got a feeling, but oh, well, I need to make a point. So I, I saw this great, it was, it was for a whole nother purpose. It was, it was for a whole nother purpose, but I saw this video yesterday about organic foods. Yeah, organic food. And that, oh my. There's a whole bunch of other things, harder things than this I could preach and y'all would all be fine. (laughs) And bottom line, it was saying there's really not that great of a difference. Except for the price. I was like, yes. Yes. And I, I, I like, uh, I like, I like cake batter. I, every now and then my wife still rinses the bowl out. I don't know. I, we've been married 25 years. And I still happen to know something got baked and I walked by and the bowl and, and the things, we call those things from the mixer. Yeah, those things. They're, they're all in the water. Like, what in the world? You know. I like, she makes the best banana nut muffins, pecans, best banana nut muffins in the world. But I got to tell you, the, the batter for that. She's like, please don't eat that while I'm looking. I hear, I got raw eggs and raw this. Let me tell you something. You don't know how much of that stuff I've eaten, and I don't see any. <laughs> Health-wise, I'm not talking about my physique. And, and I remember one time, I was mid-teens, if I'm not mistaken, I finally, I, 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 got, I convinced my mother to make me a bowl 
of cake batter. It was not for the purpose of making a cake. It was simply that I could have the batter. What I learned that day is that the amount of cake batter that I scoop out of the bowl that is left over is just enough. (laughs) A whole bowl. Actually, you reach the point that it's not good anymore. And I reached it a lot quicker than I realized. Solomon got caught up in the batter. I, I, I need another house. I need another wife. I need another possession. And the problem was it wasn't enough. Solomon, you got to go back to the beginning because there is only one thing that can satisfy. There is only one thing that can bring contentment. And the moment you neglect that, everything else loses its value and its benefit. What is icing on the cake? As long as there's a cake, it's good. There's there's some things that apparently his father had that Solomon didn't quite pick up. I I, I saw this verse in 1 Kings 3 and 3. Listen listen to the simple verse. And in one context, I guess it's positive. But in another way, I think it's a negative. 1 Kings 3 and 3. Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Solomon loved the Lord, that's great. But it's that next part. He walked in the statutes of David, his father. It, it is, there's some degree of debate about it, but it's my understanding from my study that Most scholars attribute Psalms 119 to David. You notice, because if you have a Bible in the King James Bible before a psalm, it'll say who it's written by. So there is some uncertainty, but again, a lot of scholars feel like there's a lot in there that sounds a lot like what David said. So if we could make that assumption this morning... Listen, listen to what his father said. Let me give you a couple of examples. Psalms 119 verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 113. I hate vain thoughts, but I, but thy law do I love. 119. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore I love thy testimonies 127 therefore i love thy commandments above gold yea above fine gold 159 consider how i love thy precepts quicken me o lord according to thy loving kindness 163 i hate and abhor lying but thy law do I love 167 my soul hateth thy command my, thy te- My soul, wow, slow down. My soul hath kept thy testimonies and I love them exceedingly. Solomon walked in the statutes of David, 
his father, but David walked in the statutes of God. Solomon never got an understanding of the need of a love for the law, the word, the precepts of God. In the same chapter, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. In another place, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I think Solomon's end would have been much different if somewhere along the way he would not have just loved the Lord, but instead of following the statutes of David, his father, if he would have learned to have the same love and dedication and commitment for the word of God that David had, the outcome of Solomon's life would have been much different. I read to you, we read the verses, chapter 2, 1 through 10, where Solomon says, I, I, everything I saw, if I wanted it, I got it. And I had all kinds of possessions, he says. Listen, listen to 1 Chronicles 17. Before I read that, I... I I find the life of Solomon to be much different than the life of David. I, I haven't, I haven't, I'm sure there was some degree of it, but I haven't found where there was some kind of great momentous suffering and struggles in Solomon's life. I don't really find any great tragedy in his life, unlike his father. We find lots of different challenges. We find some, some highs, but we also find some lows. Whether it was choices he made that led to heartache and pain and difficulty, or if it was just the circumstances of his life, circumstances of a king and his army out searching for one man. It, it seems to me that Solomon had it good. But it also seems that Solomon did not realize how good he had it. Because it became all about him. David, on the other hand, had accumulated great riches and wealth. But listen to what David says in 1 Chronicles 17 and verse 1. It came to pass as David sat in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in a house of cedars. But the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. I, I, I'm living in a great house. I'm living in a beautiful house. It's, it's, it's a wonderful place. But God, your presence, the ark that represents your presence is dwelling in a temporary place. So rather than David looking around at his lovely house and saying, You know what? I like this one, but I probably could do a little better. Or I like that one better. Let me build another one. David's desire was, God, it's really not about me. I've got all that I need. I've got all that I really could ask for. What it's really about, God, is you. Somewhere along the way, Solomon never transitioned that it was about him and rather it being about God. Oh, I know. You say, well, Solomon built a temple considered to be one of the most wonderful structures ever built, yes, but why did Solomon build the temple? Solomon didn't build the temple because it was his desire. 
It wasn't Solomon's dream to build God a house. The reason Solomon built a temple is because his dad had a desire for God to have a house. And also, if you read, David provided basically all of the materials that were needed to build the house. He, he didn't even have to, he didn't have to just do what his father wanted and make it all happen, but David provided everything he needed. And so while Solomon did a great deed, he really was just following what his father wanted. He loved the Lord, but he just walked in the statutes of David, his father. You know what? This, this book gets a lot of bad press. We live in a world today, not just among unbelievers, but even now among believers where they devalue and minimize the significance of the Word of God. To the point that preachers even stand in pulpits and question the authenticity of the Word of God. This book is not cumbersome. This book is not confining. It is not restricting. In fact, it's quite the opposite. There's no other way to get life and life more abundantly. There's, there's no other way to know what true peace and joy and happiness is outside of this book. David loved it. Solomon just tried to follow the statutes of his father. And David reaches the end of his life and it appears from everything I can find out, he reached the end of his life with peace and contentment. But Solomon gets to the end and he just says, it's all vanity. There's no point to it. It's all worthless. It's all empty. Why, Solomon, is it worthless? Why is it empty? Because somewhere along the way, you changed your focus. You started with the right focus. You started with the right desire. But then, you made it about something else. Psalmist says, your loving kindness, your loving kindness is better than life. Your loving kindness, just your loving kindness, God, is better than life. Lord, I need I need wisdom. I need guidance. Need direction. I don't know how to do this without you. What a blessing for God to respond and say, I am going to give you what you need. And I'm going to add. It's an old song that says, Take this whole world. But give me Jesus. Take this whole world. But give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. I ask you today, what, what is it that you've got your heart, you've got your mind set on that, you know what, if, if I could just get that, or if God would just do that, that's what I need. That's my answer. That's my 
solution. If God would just give me this, if I could just go there, if I could just achieve that. When really all that is, is just, it's just the additions. It's just the, just the extras. We, we didn't forget, Brother Bray requested, we wait till tonight. He's got some family members that aren't here, but a week ago, his dad pretty unexpectedly passed away. How, how much does your house mean right now, Brother Bray? How much does the car you drive? How, how much does the technology you have? How, how much does the money you make right now mean? Nothing at all. How much does the comfort of the Holy Ghost mean right now? Everything. Everything. I realize that most of us do not have the opportunity Solomon had. I said it last week. Solomon was an extremely wealthy individual. If Solomon lived today, he'd be on the status of Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, all of them. That's the kind of wealth he had. He, that that that's that's what he had. I don't know in, in Proverbs uh, Proverbs thirty. I'm almost done. Proverbs thirty. I, I'm not sure. Uh, again, as I said last week, Solomon is not necessarily credited with writing all of Proverbs, but there are others that are used, and so I don't know. I don't know if this is one of his or not, but listen to the prayer, listen to this request in Proverbs 30, verse, verse number seven. It says this, two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Or that's enough. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or, lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Don't let me have so much that I become consumed with what I have and I forget all about you and I think that I have made myself who and what I am. Sad how many people that become a success in life become so arrogant. There is no one that ever became a success all by themselves. 
Somebody helped them. Somebody gave them some guidance and some direction. But how many think I am a self-made man? So the wise man here says, don't let me become so full that I'm, and, and so successful and have so much that I forget all about you. But then don't let me be so poor that I'm angry and upset and I curse you. Let me find somewhere in the middle where I've got enough but not too much. So that my focus can remain on you. Most things you don't want to be mediocre in. You don't want to be mediocre at your job. You don't want to be mediocre at the things you do. You want to be the best. But you know what? Sometimes mediocrity is a good place to be. Put me right in the middle, God. Don't give me so much that I neglect you and don't let it be so bad that I curse you. I, I don't know. I don't know if that was Solomon's prayer. I wonder if maybe it was the prayer of somebody that observed Solomon. I wonder if it was the prayer of somebody that saw what happened, the swing. Because again, if you go through the book of Proverbs and whatever it was in Proverbs that Solomon did write, you find some really positive, great things in Proverbs. But you read Ecclesiastes, it's a whole different guy. And I wonder if somebody sat back and had observed the swing that had taken place in Solomon's life. And so they said, God, don't give me so much. Don't let me be able to get so much that I forget about you. But don't neglect me that I curse you. Let me be somewhere right in the middle. God, give me wisdom. I need understanding. I need discernment. I can't do this. I wonder how different the ending of Solomon's life could have been if his focus would have remained on that. It's kind of, it, it, it really puzzles me how Solomon got so caught up in trying to accumulate more and more stuff. He, he had to have realized, you know what, I asked for this and God gave me all this. Didn't have to work to accumulate it, didn't have to work to build my portfolio. God just freely, abundantly added. Read it to you last week. David said one thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that, and that will I seek after. Solomon started with the right thing, but then he started seeking after too many things, and it was never enough. It's never enough. On this holiday weekend, I believe there's some somebody here today that 
the Spirit of the Lord is trying to get you to, to have the right focus. Because if you, if you get the, the focus on the right thing, everything else is just, just an addition. If I have, if I have you, as long as I have you, Jesus, I'm not talking today about religion. I'm not talking about commitment to a, to a religious group, any kind of religion. Talking about a genuine, personal, individual relationship. See, I, I find where David developed a pretty intimate relationship with God, but I don't find anywhere that Solomon developed a relationship with God. David had a relationship with God, but seems like Solomon... All he had was a relationship with David's God. I think I mentioned it last week. Stand here today. I've got a grandmother sitting in the back to my left. All four of my grandparents were apostolics. I've got great-grandparents that were apostolics. My parents apostolics but at 45 years old I don't do what I do because of my grandmother's God I don't do what I do because of my parents God I do what I do because of my God oh Solomon if you somehow could have just maintained the focus that you started with, you wouldn't have got to the end and said, Vanity. I'm sorry, it's, it's the nature of being the, the preacher's kid just so happens to be bad timing that he's on the keyboard one of those moments I it's just the tie it's just the reflection of the tie it's all we attended a funeral last Monday our neighbor passed away actually passed away back in August but he was being buried at Arlington National Cemetery and so it took him until this beginning of this week I think we were leaving Arlington National Cemetery at some point during that day it was discussed the gentleman had been cremated it was discussed I think by several family members I think Nathaniel may have said it do not cremate me and then he he gave us one of those conversations you don't know why you're having but he gave us instructions of a couple of things he wanted in his casket and one of those things that he said send with him 
was his keyboard. I've been in and I have seen many funeral processions in my life. And in all my years, one thing I have never seen in my lifetime in a funeral procession is a U-Haul truck. Never seen one in the procession. Because it doesn't matter what you had. Doesn't matter how much you accumulated. Doesn't matter what your net worth is. You can't take it with you. But for those who do not have their hope in this life only, you're not worried that you can't take it with you because you know not what, but who is waiting on you. I don't know why I keep feeling the urge last week and this week to break out with old songs with our younger generation of keyboard players, so I won't sing it in fairness to him, but the song says, what a day that will be. Not when heaven I shall see. Not when walls of jasper and streets of gold. But the song says, what a day that will be when my Jesus, I shall see. When I look upon His face, the one who saved me by His grace, when He takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. To stand you would please you see if you pursue this life it's just never enough there's always more there's always something more but when you pursue him it's not that it's never enough it's The more you experience of Him, the more you want of Him. I'm in the mood of naming old songs today. There's another one that says, He gets sweeter as the days go by. He gets sweeter as the moments fly. And so... Like everything else, I'm never satisfied with what I have of Him. But there's always more that He is free or willing to freely give. And as I said, I think it was Thursday night. The more of Him I get, I could say it this way, the better I become. What the world has usually leaves me broken and messed up, but what he has makes me whole. 
gives more meaning and more value to my life. Would you just, at least for right now, right where you are standing, just close your eyes for a moment and in your own words, your own way, maybe maybe somebody would acknowledge today, you know what, there, there have been times I've had my focus on the right thing. I've had my focus in the right place, but somewhere along the way there are distractions that have come in there are there are things that i have started to pursue and desire that those things really cannot satisfy there's another song that says only jesus can satisfy your soul only he can take your heart make you free and whole he'll give you peace you never knew sweet love and joy in heaven to only Jesus father help us today you know our frame that we are made of and you know how easy it is for us to get distracted and you know how quickly our attention can be drawn to those things that really have no significant eternal value. We occupy ourselves, we pursue those things. Those things that you have promised that if we would seek you, you would make them the additions. When they are our pursuit, they can never fully satisfy when they are what we strive for it's never enough but when we get you when we pursue you first the additions become that more meaningful because they're not our focus I pray Father that you would help somebody today Lord, somebody that's walked into this place dissatisfied with life, dissatisfied with their circumstances, and perhaps for some it's not that things are really that bad, it's just that nothing but you can satisfy, help them today. Give us the grace to learn what Solomon didn't quite seem to grasp, and that was what was enough from the beginning was enough to sustain all the way through to the end. In the name of Jesus, God, the hunger that we try to fill with so many temporal things help us today to pursue you in a fresh new way as the only thing that can ultimately satisfy that hunger. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, just another moment or two if you would, please. I, I don't feel at this point to go beyond this, to open the altar up. If you choose to do that on your own, that's fine. But I, I just feel like another moment right where you are. What is it? What is it today that You've gotten into the trap of thinking, if I could just have that, if I could just get that, I'd, I'd be happier. I'd be at more peace, 
when really the only answer, the only solution is the God of peace, the Prince of Peace, the source not of not of fun, but the source of joy. Fun, happiness is dependent upon my circumstances. It's dependent upon what I'm doing. But joy is dependent upon my source. The Bible says that there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If I've got the Spirit of God dwelling in me, if I've got the Spirit of God in my life, then I have an unending supply of joy. But even in the midst of adversity, even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of sorrow, I can draw from that source of joy. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Help us today, Father. Help us today, Father. Help us to have the same attitude that the psalmist did that your loving kindness is better than life itself your loving kindness is better than any possession any achievement any success in this life in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Praise God. Praise God. I want to say again thanks to everyone for being here this holiday weekend. Pray that God has touched your life today. Pray God's hand of protection upon you in the next couple of days as you and others travel. If you're not traveling, others that are traveling. In Jesus' name. Just take a moment, if you would, maybe greet somebody, somebody nearby you, you don't know them. Introduce yourself, welcome them today. God bless you, Jesus' name.